Welcome to the Breakthrough Zone, where lives are transformed one breakthrough at a time. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized coach and author, John Page Burton. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Breakthrough Zone. A beautiful Wednesday morning. Super glad to be here. I've got a great guest with us today. Uh, Travis LaDuke is a University of Arizona graduate with an MBA from the Eller College of Management. I mean, that's big time, folks. Currently serves as a healthcare and compliance executive, serves on numerous boards and advisory uh, committees all across the state, but uh, that's not why we brought him on the show today. We brought him on the show today because he's an all-around great guy. And uh, we're going to talk a little uh, career reinvention today, pivoting. We're going to talk about a lot of cool things today on the Breakthrough Zone. Travis, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, thank you for having me, John. It's a longtime uh, listener and fan of your work and uh, first-time guest, so I'm mm -hmm. glad to be here. I appreciate you showing up because, you know, this is kind of the Breakthrough Zone. It, every show is a little bit different. Like, we take departures. We go down different uh, tracks. We've, we've had some amazing guests on this show. I mean, we... People are starting to. This is our today's our actual thirteenth episode, right? So people are now starting to send messages referring to, you know, Joanne Bridges who lost you know two hundred three pounds, kicked a meth addiction, and climbed Kilimanjaro. Uh, last week we had April Galloway on the show. Fantastic show. So people are starting to identify with our guests, and I'm sure you're going to fall into that into that realm as well. So. So you're in that currently you're in the healthcare administration, but how did you get started? You you spent a little bit of time in the military, and I think you started out on an entirely different uh, trajectory than where you are today. So tell our listeners a little bit about that trip. Well, John, before I start with that, I want to say thank you again, and also um, it it's to be included in the group that's already been on the show and be lucky number thirteen is an honor for me. Mm. So. I'll, I'll take that to the bank. Somebody's um, got to be number 13. I, I, and it's my lucky number. <laughs> okay, there you go. Number. So It's a win-win. It is a win-win. <laughs> well, my, my military career started very early. I enlisted at 17 for most people. So uh, I, I did my parents dirty in that regard because I made them sign with me. So even, I, even in my enlisting in the military, at least the, my first enlistment, my parents signed with me. So, uh, And it was um, different. Different time, much different time. The, it was and the Cold War was ending. Um, it was probably the best time in terms of uh, potential conflict, and it, it was. But it still didn't change the fact that when when you sign up for something like that at seventeen, you absolutely have very little understanding of what it really means to someone that's. And my t my parents were in their late thirties, early forties at that time, so uh, they had seen their brothers and sisters, friends and everything go on to a hot war in Southeast Asia as the Vietnam conflict is, you know, and war that was there. So they saw a lot of um, hard things from military yeah, service. Yeah. And for me, I, I, I enlisted for all sorts of selfish reasons, such as um, support for college through the GI Bill, which, you know, th those types of things that were there, uh, that, that becomes important later in my story. Uh, and also um, the job training experience, those things that are still true today. Uh, but when I, when I enlisted, my mom said to me, she said, um, you won't know what's taken from you until it's gone. 
And and so wow. um, very cavalierish of myself at that time. I knew everything. I was 17. I got the I, oh, yeah, I, I got yeah. it right there in my hand. I'm I'm ready to roll. Um, and and so that. Um, and I leave that there because it becomes important later in the story because uh, I did not understand what would be taken. And uh, I didn't also know what would be given as well. I, I, I thought yeah. I did. I, I had the brochure. They told me all the things that yeah. were going to be given. See the world, <laughs> exotic locations, you know. A little bit of exercise thrown in, right? <laughs> but it's, I want to go back. It's seven, it's 17 years old. I mean, what was your motivation? I mean, because a lot of 17-year-olds, are they're going – they're thinking about going to college or they're thinking about, and I know we're going to get, get down that road in a little bit, but they're thinking about college. They're thinking about what am I going to do next? And it's 17, a year younger than you really legally can even enter the dinner, you know, do something like that. What's going through your head at that point? What was your driving force that you wanted to join the military? So I, I, you reminded me of an interesting story when you said that. So I, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to say at my high school graduation, there were three of us that enlisted in the military. And as customary now, they announced that as part of the graduation along with those that are going to college. Right. Well, at my high school graduation, they did not announce enlistment in the military. And I'm going to make up a number, but it was a beyond 80% that there was college attendance for my graduating class. I, I, and... I graduated in 1994, and so that was, no matter where you were at that time, that was a significant amount of college attendance for a high school, but so much so that it was way different than any any of my friends or colleagues. And, and there was definitely enlistments that happened afterwards, especially driven by September 11th, but it wasn't, it wasn't considered a smart thing to do, and that's why I emphasize that. Um, but what drove me, I, um, I was raised by the greatest generation, and mm-hmm. luckily so. I, I say lucky 13. There's about 13 adults that I credit raising me. That's so I can uh, disperse the credit and the blame. So right, it, right. it's good. But uh, what really drove me to military service was uh, the, the things that I respected in uh, my grandparents and the, those of the greatest generation that raised me. Right. Uh, they connected it to their military service. Yeah. So you had a. So you had a, obviously you had a profound sense of duty. It was initially you felt like you you wanted to follow in the footsteps of people that you really looked up to and, and you wanted to make them proud. Absolutely, and and also I had selfish reasons. I I, I knew. Um, as much as people are rushing to get to Arizona now, uh, it was I was rushing to get out. Uh, right, was, right. It, it was yeah. it was time to go. Uh, we we would refer to Southern Arizona as a black hole that would yeah, suck you sure. back in. Yeah, uh, and and it's been true now later in my life. Sounds very familiar because my wife, who you know, mm-hmm. she was the same thing at eighteen. She was like, I just don't know what I want to do. I just know I want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and she was in this growing up in this little town of like. I've been there. I mean, the post office and the town hall are two tough shits. I kid you not. I got a picture. It's crazy. But she wanted out, and she didn't know what she, really what she wanted to do, but she she figured, it, you know, I'll figure it out. So she joined the Air Force. And then she went into the Air Force, and, of course, she, she was excited about seeing the world and, and, and doing all that. But she had a, kind of a sense, same sense, a sense of, of, of duty but it was it was it's interesting because it was the the need to get out and I'll figure it out in the military. Sounds like your story. 
a very, very close. And the story of a lot of service members. Yeah. You see, if, if you look at those numbers, uh, a lot of us come from rural or outskirt areas. That was true for myself. Yeah. While yeah. I attended high school inside of the city, I grew up in a very rural, isolated area. Uh, I went to the school with the same 13 kids, kindergarten to eighth grade. <laughs> so m- much different existence than most mm-hmm. see now. Still exist in this, oh. this country, but technology has made the world smaller. So it's... It, um, my my, you mentioned see exotic places. Uh, I took full advantage of the, uh, that when I was in the military. So and and that delivered for me. That was one of the motivations is to see some see other places and and put myself in those situations. So uh, I always I joke because when you recruited in the military, it's everything very um, you selfish individual. But once you're in the military, it's all about the service, your unit. Those yeah. people that yeah. are next to you, yeah. those people that are in that vehicle, that aircraft, that right, foxhole right. with you, uh, and stops very much being about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up at a military school. I went to military school when I was 12 till I was 18. So even at a young age, it was that same thing. It was duty. You know, I had to yeah, have my brother's back. He had my back. You know, we we were out there even as kids. We were we were doing re, you know real life ROTC stuff, and mm. and it was it was drilled into us. There was that sense of. Uh, there was that sense of responsibility and loyalty, and, and and those are good traits. I mean, I've carried those today. So you're in the military for how long? Just short of a decade. So okay, so you're in it basically almost ten years. Correct. And so when I entered the military, it was really the the Berlin Wall fell my freshman year of high school. Okay. Uh, it was a very significant event. Huge. Uh, I call myself a um, an uh, a young or juvenile Gen Xer because. Okay. Uh, that that being that key event for that generational break but you know i'm 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 entering the military at a time when the world is changing politically and then i end up on the front lines of it uh, i um i ended up spending the majority of my military career in europe and i i spent the majority of that time in europe uh working on the front edges of what was going on as the the world order was changing and so um before september 11th even if you roll back where my world changed was the cobar tower bombing and oh, yeah. we were we were actually training at that point and got notification that the Cobar Towers had been bombed, and then my world changed dramatically. And we went um, from 98 on, we were um, stopping bad guys. And, wow. and so September 11th was devastating and everything else, but um, that the fight against terrorism, that was really the for myself and the experience of those that were around me at that time, that was that um, kickoff point. Yeah. So by the time September 11th had hit, we had already been on that front line for almost three years. Wow. So wow. It's a different perspective. It's, it's a whole different perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because I talk to a lot of people, and I have friends that are in the military. So when they leave the military, they, they talk about that that period of feeling lost. Mm. So you, you leave the military. You've done your 10 years. You've uh, you've seen the world, right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden you come home. Did you go through that feeling of kind of lost feeling for a little bit, or were you different in that maybe you came out and you'd already kind of figured what your next moves were? What did that look like for you? Because obviously it's your it's it's your first significant pivot. Right? 
So as a pivot, this would be – I obviously uh, – I pivoted the wrong direction. And, uh, and I'll say that because my, my military career ended unceremoniously. I was medically discharged. So okay. in addition to even going through the normal discharge process, I was, I was put into the bin with the broken toys. And so, oh, wow. Okay. And for me, going from a very successful, highly performing position and then being broke – uh, that has a whole other set of oh, wow. um, mental barriers to, to get over. So uh, inside of there, so when you say lost, I was absolutely lost. However, uh, the military does an excellent job, and so does the Veterans Administration, of putting things in writing. And I'm a big fan of reading and, and enjoy it. And so I made it – I figured I better follow the example of the greatest generation and and, and Get in a safe space to figure out where I'm going. Okay. And so, um, after after kind of um, stumbling around, I was blessed uh, to find myself in the VA's Voc Rehab program. So that gave um, under different titles than G- the GI Bill. I had to give up my GI Bill, but also accept um, vocational rehab. It got me access to a whole nother level of counseling a whole nother level of interventions that weren't there for most military members at the time. Wow. And we hadn't, as, as a country, had to start dealing with the full um, casualty count of the war on terror. And so I was really one of the first into the VOC rehab system post-September 11th, and it, it was a godsend for me. Uh, I, I give a lot of credit to my counselor there at the VA through their voc rehab program. And, and I say this um, and I share this story knowing that that's not the, the story for most veterans, that they don't find yeah, that counselor yeah. or they don't find that program. Uh, I was very deliberate. Um, once I was uh, – part of the reason that I didn't even want to um, necessarily sign up for voc rehab is because in, in the military, if you seek help for something, then you get in that – Yes. Box of broken yeah. toys. Yes. I got a, I got a friend of mine who's a younger guy that I've mentored for, gosh, we've known each other now almost 15 years. And he's still active, active military, um, but he's had P- PTSD challenges for, for years. But he's afraid to ask for help because you call it the box of broken toys. He's afraid to ask for help, yet he needs it. And over the years, he's acted out in different ways, and finally, he was able to, on his own, find a, an, a you know an emotional support animal, and that's helped him. But the thought that here's somebody that's putting their life on the line for our country, who's willing to die for our country, that comes out, and in his case, he's still in, and says, "I really need some help here. I just need someone to help me make sense of some things," and he's he's afraid to do that. Because it could cost him his his career, it could cost him his livelihood, it could so many ramifications. And I really, honestly, I have a problem with this. I have for a long time. And you were aware enough of okay, these things are available. I'm going to take advantage of them because I need that to get right. So that was really for you. That was a breakthrough moment where you said I need to get some help here and these people stepped up and then what happened 
Well, one of the breakthrough treatments that I was able to access is EM, EMDR, and I don't know the acronym, and I maybe messed up the letters, but most people, when I spit out those four, they if they have any exposure to it in terms of that uh, post uh, PTSD or post traumatic stress disorder yeah. or I- I- those types of interventions, and I even has even still, I'm I'm twenty, uh, you know, almost. Yeah, 20 years removed from my military service, and I I don't want to hang things on it. I don't want to self-diagnose or any of those things, but I am definitely not afraid to raise my hand for, for assistance at this point. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm very blessed in the fact that I have a very strong family support network. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but even then, I think that family support network and them kind of putting a barrier between me and post-military and saying, you need to get some help. Was was part of what helped get me there, uh, but I, when I mentioned I followed the Greatest Generation, going to college post military and having that time and space was probably the best mental health help that that I had received. Because so you take advantage of the GI Bill. You're like I did my my ten years, right? And that's I'm, how I started, I, and then through the, once I realized that I wasn't going to, I needed to um, take care of the head. <laughs> you got the head squared away yeah, first. Yeah, uh, take care of the head. Hard work's good. Hard work's fine, but first take care of your head. Um, that's a, mm-hmm. a sublime lyric uh, mm-hmm. for for my other Gen Xers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it it was very important, and it it led to me being able to help many more people. And, right. And I say that because um, even this week. Uh, not even a veteran, still an active duty member, reached out to me with yeah. concerns, and yeah. and and there's still that it's it's still omnipresent in the military. And I'm glad you're um, you're aware and upset of it or upset about it in terms of it there, but it has gotten so much better in terms of for, yeah. for what I know is available for veterans. And uh, I mean, we fought two decades long wars. Uh, and yeah. so there's a significant demand. For well, I think, services. I think there's, there's an obligation. I mean, yeah. you know, we're talking about people that are, again, I, that are willing to put their life on the line. They come home and in many cases, no fault of their own. They're broken because of the things that they've seen and, and they just want help. I mean, and we owe it to them. Without a doubt, we owe it to them to get them that help and, and to do it without shaming them and without labeling them and all the bullshit that we do as a, as a society. I mean, I don't want to spend, you know, a lot of time on this, but I think it's really important. I mean, we all know that, you know, I have another friend of mine who did two tours in Vietnam, three tours of Vietnam, goes to the VA to get a knee replacement. That seemed like a pretty good deal. He goes in, gets his knee replacement. Everything's fine for a while. And then things start not being fine. And so he goes and he has the resources. So he goes to the doctor that does all the knee surgeries for the Phoenix Suns. And the doctor comes out and says, I've got some good news and some bad news. So my friend says, well, what's the good news? He goes, I can, I can, I can fix the damage. And he said, well, what's the bad news? He said, they put a 30-year-old knee in you. That's the VA. For it, some. For some, for some, right? And this is somebody who has the resources to go to the Phoenix Suns doctor, but he trusted the system. So when I hear those kind of stories, it, it makes me angry because I know we can do better. We have to do better. 
and not everybody is going to be in the conscious space that you were to go, I'm going to take advantage of this because I need to. It's available. I'm going to force the issue. You shouldn't have to force the issue. I'm glad you did. Well, thank you. And I'm glad that you and other taxpayers have supported my recovery from right. those situations. Right. But I'll, I'll move so to we're our gonna pivot. Move yeah, on we're going to move on to pivot. our pivot. And, and there's a couple pivots here because yeah. I had, remember, I still had the world figured out. I mean, I'm in yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. 20s. I, I'm um, finishing up college. Kicking ass and you know how to uh, use a gun. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Right. And, 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 and the world's lining up. The economy's mm-hmm. rolling. I'm, and, and I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm about to finish uh, a business degree. And I'm working with one of the lo- longest standing and largest financial institutions in the world, Citigroup. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm a part of a, a group and class that's going to be what they called the do all financial private banker advisor. You name it. We, we were, I was trained on every type of financial system that they had. I spent a ton of time in training in my first day on the floor taking active clients, Bear Stearns Folds. I, I, it, 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 um, so it, I, I remember the day I'm sitting here and I realized that this plan that I had, that it was really <laughs> solid plan. And, 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 well, and, and so it was, and, and it was very oh. sobering for me in the sense of, and, and I think because my frontal lobe was fully developed at that point, I right. realized I was like, I need to pivot quick. I got to pivot now. <laughs> quick. So yeah. I, w- I was definitely blessed in the fact that Citigroup found a place for me still, so I was nice. able to work in, um, with Citigroup. But I knew that uh, um, that type of environment, working the front line of the financial crisis, and then where they found me was a uh, place was servicing mortgages, uh, which um, right after the financial crisis came the housing Crisis. So I got to work both crises of right. Yeah. So short stints at both. Whew, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I know the gray hairs on the head. So were, what did you know. that teach you? Because I'm a big believer, and we talk on the show all the time about when one door opens. You know, it, it doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that wasn't the right time. So what did you take away from from that? I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a failure, I guess, in a way. It's not your fault, but it's got to feel like shit. I put a lot of time and effort into this. Bear Stearns, Bear Stearns folds my, you know, my first day. Right. They send me over here. The housing market crashes. Is there a party that's going, maybe this isn't the financial services industry may not be where the universe wants me to go. I, I think after the, the the housing crisis, really that that was, uh, uh, and I even made the, when I was when I was in school for my graduate school, I, I, I said to somebody, I think I might go into banking, and I and I turned around and looked behind me, and I was like, I, who? Re- no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't but do that. yes, what, what did it teach me? It it, it taught me, uh, and and reinforced it more reinforced that flexibility. And and because my military career, I intended to to retire at 37. Part of the reason I enlisted at 17 is to make sure I could retire at 37. Well, that plan didn't work out. And then I I plan on doing five to ten years in the financial services industry and then leaving. Well, that plan didn't work out either. So so I tap back into so I started looking and this is this is how I decided I, I needed I know I needed to do something that had an international business feel. 
but was focused on uh, a cause or a a outcome that I could throw myself behind because okay. and and it's really what it forced me to take that long look inside of myself and also be able to support my family and every and, right, and right. the things and, and the things <laughs> that I enjoy and like doing. Uh, but I, you have a you have a flexible mindset, right? Because oh, absolutely. we have people that have the fi- fixed mindset. They go, "Oh crap, what now? What am I going to do?" The world's over. The only thing I could have ever done is financial services. That's what my parents did, you know. Oh, sure. The fl- so this this illustrates the power of having a flexible mindset because you you have to make a pivot again. I'm keep using that word pivot, but you got to realize that this isn't working. Uh, but being flexible, you probably, I imagine, and knowing you, you probably went through your skills checklist and said, okay, what am I? What are my strengths? You know, how can I take those strengths and move somewhere else? And you did just that. I did. And also, there's, you reminded me of a, a saying that I repeat over and over, even to this day in my professional pursuits, and remind my children of it. You absolutely have to have flexibility, but don't be limp. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. that's and because if you're absolutely flexible to anything that anybody wants you to do, then you stand for absolutely nothing. Wow! And, and I love that. Don't yeah. you know, be flexible, but don't be limp. I've never heard that. Yeah. One of the it's so true. Yeah, one of the greatest leaders I worked with um, ever would reinforce that all the time. And so, I would say, f- be that, flexible, but have a backbone. Absolutely, for, is what is what we're, yeah. what we're saying here. Wow. Yeah, and also when he was saying, figure out how to get this done. And push it through, okay. you know, and, and and that's where that also that it, don't be limp is that it, you're going to run into so many things that you can either go over, under, or through, but you can't get through them if you're if you're limp. It, and so when you're talking about going over, under, and through, this goes back to your military, right? Your military training, and so much of your military training, you're, you're you're you have a backbone, you're 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 rigid to a point. But you have to be flexible. You have to be able to make decisions quickly, right? Correct. And and I would love to say that it was all the military, but I have to give credit back to those 13 people that raised me, especially the ones oh. that with that um, right. background, because that's where the those seeds were initially planted. And, and Perfect. Yeah. So the, I, I, and, and the military reinforces those items right, because right. it's an operational requirement. Right. Because I can't turn to the person left or right of me and do their job for them. I have to have full faith that, that they, they're going to go forward. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in, in terms of doing that assessment, I really looked, I, I said, I'm going I'm to pretend that I have never had a job before. And, and, nice. and, and this is at a time where the, the employment industry was figuring out how to use the internet. That's, <laughs> as, yeah. as funny wow. as that sounds, wow. so so there was the rise of um, the the electronic resume, and then also the electronic sorter of your resume, and and those those tools were just coming through. And I I submitted seventy four resumes and applications before I got one call because also the economy was melting down as well. So I was fighting those headwinds and. Uh, ironically enough, when I left, there there are still people that I worked with at Citigroup who told me that, that back then how much they disliked what they were doing, and still tell me today that they dislike what they're doing. That are still working there, and I don't fault them for that. But no. that's that fixed mindset. That's my market, right? So in the career invention space where I spend a lot of my time, I have those people. I run across them, and they've been doing something for twenty, thirty years sometimes, 
and they absolutely they absolutely hate it it just sucks them dry but they but they justify doing it you know it's because it's that fixed mindset they go well but you know i had to get my kids through school and, and i so finally i say to people when they come to me i say okay okay all those excuses are out of the way all those avoidance strategies are out of the way now what is it that you want to do and in a lot of cases we're talking people in their 50s that I'm the first person that's ever given them permission to dream, to say, okay, what do you want to do? I, you've told me how freaking miserable you are. What is it that you want to do, right? And it's crazy how, how, how many people and you, what you're talking about that are, that are out there that are just, they're miserable and they're not willing to, you have to be willing to pivot you have to be willing to make a change or else your life is going to stay the exact same no no one said you shouldn't keep working hard or yeah. keep working towards those goals but find something you're passionate about right like this is where we're going with this right, right. you you said okay i have these skills i have this great you know support system these 13 people i have my military training the financial industry is obviously not working it's it's not my calling but I want to get out and I want to start working for something that's maybe a little bit bigger than myself. Is that? I would frame it as I wanted, I was looking for a problem I wanted to solve. Okay, fair enough. And, and a problem I wanted to solve. Wow. And it led me to uh, an industry and opportunity that, and, and to, into early childhood and working for the state of Arizona with the Panatham Nation. And yeah, it, it really, yeah. when I mentioned that international business feel and everything yes. else, it, it really opened the door to a completely different industry. I never thought that I would spend any time inside of early childhood. Yeah, Even, and, yeah. and the problem I was trying to solve is one that I faced when I left the military. I was a single father of two beautiful children that required, required child care. Well, while you're in the military, and this is the other part about the military where it kind of handicaps you for the real world, you just take your packet to wherever you need to go, and then they give you whatever you need. Or as described by some of my veteran friends, it's like, I just want to get in the line, do what I'm supposed to told, and go home. Or do what I'm supposed to do and go home. And, right. and the civilian world doesn't really do that. No. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> and no. they, they, the civilian world, you have to churn on your own water. You yeah. have to pay your own power bill, those types of things. Like, right. I, like I said, I delayed the onset of full adulthood for a full decade, and it's, it was part of uh, that experience because they take care of those things to ensure your mind is focused on whatever mission you have. And that those supports absolutely need to be there. But it doesn't make you an effective adult in the real world when, when right. you have to take care of that stuff yourself. So when I went to go get child care for my children, and – very, very kind. She says, oh, that's so sweet. You should have registered for our program when she, you knew you were going to have her. <laughs> Which is funny because I, I said back to her, I was like, well, that's funny since I didn't even live in this country when I had her. So it it, it, um, it opened my eyes to the, the, the accessibility to things. Um, even if you have the means, all the other things, it doesn't mean that the, those services are going to be there for you. Correct. Yeah, and and, yeah. and so, child care being one of those key things, and you, it's a topical uh, subject right now, given that the system really got gutted, and a lot of systems got gutted because of um, the pandemic. But the reality of it is, is if you're going to work and have children, there needs to be care, or we need to reimagine what the workspace looks like. Yeah, yeah, because there are so many people in that. It COVID, you know, obviously no one saw that coming, but it changed. No, no, I'm stopping. We all saw it coming. We just didn't know when it was going to get here. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. There you go. 
Um, but there's, you know, daycare centers, everything shut down. Everything came, you know, everything came home. Parents now had to work and, you know, be the hell, you know, be the, the, the daycare provider and, and be accountable to their boss and be accountable to everything else that goes with being a homeowner and all of these things. So how have you seen that? Cause you're in this, you're in this, you're in this business, you're in the trenches and. Right. And, and, but back to why did I pivot that way? It was a problem that I had yeah, and I and I knew how difficult it was for me, and what and a barrier it was, it. and I wanted to to solve it. And and once I uh, once I got into the industry and were, was able to make strides and 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 help support the 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 things that I knew were going to help change it, because really, uh, you can have as much money as you want, but if there's not someone that you trust to leave your children with, it doesn't matter what it, doesn't it costs. Matter. It, do, it doesn't no, matter. So that. Um, and and approaching it from a systems uh, and and knowing that there's not just one piece or part that's going to uh, be able to operate without the entire system. So when the system collapsed and and they pulled the rug out from under it, and we could just say whether it's childcare or just pick the industry at this point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and, yeah. and 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 to this, I blame the greatest generation because they had all these kids and didn't you know we I had all these kids, all these boomers, and didn't really have a plan for them on this side of it. Yeah. They wanted to have kids, but we didn't know what the, the long term plan was going to be like. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you said that. You know, I was I I, I had this problem. And I was looking for a way to solve it. It and that is the what what is the actual, you know, success guiding principle. I know you and I both read a lot of Ray Dalio's, mm, you know, work. But but it's in the entrepreneurial world, the per the the person who makes the money or the person who has the most successful business is that person who can solve the most problems. The most value you can bring to an organization is to be a problem solver. So how have you done that? You've identified this problem. So how are you uh, working towards solving this? Well, I have to say that, um, well, this this problem, I, I, I left. It's still a problem. Still right? a problem. It's still a problem. Okay. And, and, and when I say I left it, I know uh, the where I got it to was where I could get it to. But, but again, it's time to move on. It's time to pivot. It's time, time, to, time pivot to pivot again. Pivot. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I spent over a decade – working on that problem that's when we met each other and that's we uh, did yeah. Yeah, yeah and that was focused on families and communities that and, year yeah. Yeah. yeah you know that well yeah so it's yeah. It, it um it brought people into my world such as yourself and mm-hmm. and and all all i entered into was to solve that that issue or make it better make it yeah. a better situation yeah. so when it was time for me to pivot again and and there's all sorts of signs right you, you um we call them dinosaurs. You know, you, you yeah. start people. They go. You remember when? when if, yeah, if that, yeah. if, unless you're, that's a compensated factor in your um, yeah. industry. You should probably look for a new chair. And, Move on. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be a yeah. pivot sign. So yes. when I started getting that feeling, and and it's the way we've always done it. <laughs> oh, that's another one. And, yeah, that, if you start hearing that more than um, maybe we should run. Yeah, yes, uh, it's. Well, pivot, pivot quickly. fast. Yeah, <laughs> right. Accelerated pivot. Right. So, uh, at the time, at the same time um, that this was coming up, and I'd also gotten to, uh, I'd completed my MBA at the time. So, once you, once you 
add those skill sets to your quiver, it, it you should not stay in the same position or organization. I highly recommend if yeah. uh, for anyone that uh, obtains additional training skills uh, that intend to move on after that. And and I know that that's contrary to what what they say in terms of making investments as an organization. Sure. But the reality of it is, is that one, um, and the military does an excellent job. Once you get promoted, you're probably getting PCS orders shortly after that. Yeah. You know, a permanent change of station. Right. But yeah. for this pivot for myself, I approached it the same way. And I want to say thank you to my loving, beautiful wife who gave me three years of pivot time because I told her as I, as I transition, uh, I, I, I'm, I can be selective. I can be a picky um, into what I want to do, but I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. And at the same time that this was happening, um, instead of trying to find childcare, trying to find elder care and long-term care and supports for my both grandmother and mother. And back to that, well, you can have all the means, but if there's not the professionals or it's not available, right? So knowing that the long-term care industry is has very similar problems to the early childhood industry that uh, I was able to help support and solve that I knew that that this was going to be a, a a place where I could add value to solving these problems and 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 have had some very good initial success I'm I uh, the end I'm one month away from three years since that pivot and right and you pivoted right into COVID I remember having these conversations, <laughs> right? So you have to be thinking, oh my God, you know, the financial services, are we, are we having a repeat? Cause you come into, you come into this new position and almost immediately, I remember you were, you and I had the conversation about you guys were doing disaster planning, knowing what potentially was going to come. And, and then everybody went home and you're all working from home. And so you had to be flexible. You had to, summon every bit of you know leadership skills you have flexibility patience all of this stuff because you go right into this position and and then it's man it's covid for the next two years and still here and still here and 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 the and if if we rewind this tape remember uh military september 11th uh banking and finance financial and housing crisis right yeah (laughs) And, and uh when i transitioned into early childhood, uh, the initiative that supported uh, First Things First, the organization that I worked with, went right onto the ballot. So if you see me going towards an industry, know that the chaos will ensue shortly. (laughs) (laughs) I just accepted it as, uh, uh, but also it was I I was it was absolutely the right place, right time and best place for me to serve. Uh, all of the training that I've had up to that point, whether it be military, whether it be through my own education at the University of Arizona. Um, That's right. A, right. Bear and down. Go Cats. All right. Yeah, we're looking forward to a good football, basketball season and, and all of those other um, Wildcat athletes providing yeah. additional national championship We are a uh, basketball school. Uh, yeah. We were, yeah, we were basketball, <laughs> baseball. If, if, if it involves any type of athletic competition, yeah. we're in it. I know I have friends a list of the show to play down at the U of A, so I don't want to get slapped around too much. I'm optimistic that we're going to turn the football team around, but but so so now we're getting into that key, the, the, where I put you know kind of hot seat hot seat moments here on the breakthrough zone. But 
So biggest, right off the top of your head, biggest breakthrough moment in your life so far? That no matter how hard I worked, if you are uh, in a narcissistic personal relationship or one with an employer, you, you will never be able to fix it through your own hard work. The only way that you'll be able to fix that relationship is to end it. You have to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's kind of crazy because we were talking, you know, we talked a minute ago, I thought any entrepreneurial world. So I'm, I'm coming up on 20 years in the, in the coaching professional development industry. And I found myself, you know, in the last six months, just completely turning everything and going like in a different direction because much like the people that are staying in the same place and they're bitching, but they're not moving, you know, that's where I got. I got to a point where it's like there was certain work I was doing that I just would dread those calls. And I knew that I'm going to go coach through these contracts, but then when it's done, it's done because I really, I just find that this, this career reinvention space is just fascinating to me because there's so many people out there that are, you know, we're going to change, we're going to, we're going to grow and we're going to reinvent ourselves numerous times look how many times in 20 years you've had to reinvent right so if people are adverse to reinvention averse to you know getting outside of their comfort zone this you know it's going to be tough uh you, you just maybe i'm adverse to hanging labels on me because throughout that that 20 years i could hang a lot of labels yeah, right yeah but i would rather see what's around the corner as well Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, you mentioned it's uh, the, the difference between fixed and growth mindset. Right. And, and I know that I had, I, I had that instilled <clears throat> on me. I give credit to those 13 people yeah, that, right. that helped raise me to, Absolutely. To, to see what is around the corner. They were like your advisory board, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Your life advisory board. Absolutely. And I miss the ones that aren't still here. Biggest <laughs> lesson, life lesson so far. Biggest life lesson that... Uh, the sun absolutely comes up every day, whether you want it to or not. Okay. And and I know that sounds cliche, but the reason I say that is because it is an absolute blessing uh, to to have the opportunity to um, attack the day and yeah. and and and, and, yeah. and I and maybe attack it, but also uh, embrace to enjoy, yeah. to engage, yeah. uh, all all of those things that. And, and it, it's hard being human. I, I always tell, especially those closest around me and those that I'm trying to um, remind that the sun comes up, is that, uh, you know, we're spiritual beings trying to have a human experience. Right. And, yeah, and, it's so true. And it's, yeah. it's, it's tough. It's the, and, and, but, yeah. I, but I also hold out that um, maybe – and, and I know you don't do religion, but maybe we, we – Yeah, we touch on it. Yeah, yeah. I just I, – and this is and this is not a religious edict for me, but I'm like, maybe we didn't get kicked out of the garden. And so, uh, yeah, because yeah. this is a pretty if – you, if you do an assessment of uh, the universe, right, from, from that perspective, yeah. this is one of the least hostile places well, we know of, definitely in this solar system, but – yeah, <laughs> throughout the universe. Well, we get we've gotten so used to you turned me on to a great book, uh, the the comfort. What was the comfort book you got? I read. Oh yeah, uh, uh, don't make me get it wrong. I, I'm I'm already on what it is, but I, the book for, the, for those of you listening, this book is really great. The comfort crisis. The crump. Thank you. The comfort crisis. Both Diane and I read it. Fabulous because what it talked about is how we've gotten so comfortable with things. Like right now, we're everyone's stressing out or they're going to be enough eggs at the store and all because we've gotten so used to having all these things at our disposal 
that probably 85, 90% of the world, what we take for granted will be there. That would be a luxury item. They would be so excited to have it. And I think that water, water is we that's just that luxury it. item. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here drinking a bottle. I left one on a floor over here somewhere. Um, yeah, and so I think right now we have a lot of crazy energy going on, and and rightly so. These are things that we've most of us have never experienced a pandemic. We've never experienced what we have over the last couple of years. We've got you know a war going in Europe. We've got all these different things. I mean, I'm cringing to fill up my gas tank and we have all of this stuff that's just circulating around so we have to focus on on staying really grounded we have to stay grateful and we have to you know we have to count our blessings because we have it really really good and we have to keep our heads up and and because and and i i and i'm not diminishing uh covid19 but you said we didn't see it coming in and yeah i I, I wasn't trying to to necessarily correct you Mm -hmm. but i want people to remember that we have a ton of tools yes available to us right um that give us at least some ability to anticipate what's coming right and you're you know being in the healthcare you know the healthcare arena you knew what a lot of people didn't see and I, and I think we all knew, we all know that every year we get a new strain of the flu and stuff, but I, I don't think anyone was really prepared for this mentally. Yeah. So one of, I, I bring that up because I want to recommend another one of Ray Dalio's book. It's uh, Principles for a Changing World, a, new, a Changing New World Order. Yeah. So, I just saw that book. I'm going to grab it. It's excellent. Uh, yeah. It's, and, and Ray, I, I love his writing, but he also, it's, it's not, um, it's very academic. Yes. Uh, yes. And there's charts that go along with it. But that, um, for me, is probably the best guide or um, indicator um, tool to yeah. use to, to see where we're going right yeah, in absolutely. these cycles right so there are a number of tools out there I'm totally biased by mine I know I am yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I'm always looking for those different perspectives on that and also it, those tools help um, while whether they apply um, in terms of just global application or individual application you can find nuggets inside of those oh, absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. 10 years down the road where are you what are you doing Oh, this is the worst question ever because we as humans are terrible prediction machines for ourselves. We are terrible. Uh, Ten years down the road for myself in terms of where I'm plotting myself yeah, out. Yeah, where do you want to be? Uh, Who do you want to be? I I should be in the um, having absolute founder's guilt for uh, my company as I'm – the board's probably pushing me out. Uh, and I envision – yeah, I, I I don't ever the R word is terrible. Like right, R is terrible because my wife would love me to say, oh well, I'll be retired on the beach and doing something like that. But I, I would really see myself leaving private industry and going into academics and and um, continuing to uh, engage. And so what about taking these skills and all that you've learned and everything and. Going into business for yourself. You oh, that's, that's, that, no, that's that. I'm leaving at 10 years. Yeah, you're leaving. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. remember, I enter an industry, we know it's going to be chaos. So right, right. it's probably one that I want to bring down. So I might become a crypto miner <laughs> right. at this point. You know, right. something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you see me enter the crypto, yeah. short it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Anyone's got an industry out there they want to fail, <laughs> um, I'll hook you up with Travis. Well, they just want volatility. Just get him in it. And just then we'll have some volatility. <laughs> 
some minefields. Travis is your guy to lead that lead that charge. <laughs> right, right, right. Volatility, not failure. And all those markets are still there. So uh, tell me about the family. I've had the privilege of meeting your family. They're awesome. Yeah. In fact, we had dinner. Your wife and I had dinner. Yeah, My wife and I had dinner with you and your wife the other night. How's that? I got that. that right. We got that right. <laughs> Family's amazing. I just recently became a grandparent, which is uh, a new role. Uh, the, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I understood the assignment. Uh, I did not know having four children th- threw you into certain uh, religious groups at this point, but I saw the best bumper sticker that said, no, we're not uh, of any faith. And then it went down all the lists like, no, we, we have a TV. No, like, so all of those things, right? Yeah. Um, I, uh, and, and, I was really motivated by having children because it's been very successful for me. I had my oldest, um, and I do not recommend this, but it definitely worked for me. I had my oldest at 20, and I had my youngest at 37. And so that has really continued to help motivate me and keep me relevant. I have now children, both my own and grand, born in four decades. So at some point, one of them is going to do just fine and be able to take care of dad or grandpa. That's that's the uh, retirement plan, yeah. isn't it? Th- didn't you see that with the Genworth Financial? It came yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah. I know Mick Jagger still. Has, he's still putting them out, you know. So I mean, why not? You know, no, no, no. I, th- I you know, no, his kids graduate from high school. He's going to be like one hundred and four. He'll probably still be up there jam with Keith, or or at least the pipe cleaner. <laughs> hey, it was good having you on the show today. Appreciate it. It's, it's a great conversation. I've learned. I've learned more about you, which is awesome. It's funny because whenever I bring friends on the show, I always learn a lot more. You know, we we had a friend of ours on a while back, and his wife sent me a really nice email. It said, thank you for um, having him on the show because it filled in a lot of of blanks. He had, you know, gone to the U of A here, played football, went played in the NFL and everything. But it filled in a lot of blanks. She said, this is going to be something awesome one day the grandkids can listen to. And it's all been put together now the whole story's in one one piece and that's cool and i feel like today with you i've learned i've learned some things and i just do not i always enjoy hanging out with you and i appreciate you coming on the show and and uh we'll do it again down the road well thank you uh and i appreciate being number 13 and i even appreciate more yes. it wasn't planned so yes it wasn't planned <laughs> so that's awesome so anyway everybody thank you for being with us today in the breakthrough zone we are going to take off the month of July to regroup, re, uh, you know, really just refresh and recharge and regroup. But we'll be back here uh, the first Wednesday in August with some brand new shows, brand new guests. So until then, everybody go out and have a great day. Be kind to each other. Take care. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. To learn more about John, visit johnpageburton.com. See you next time in the Breakthrough Zone. This podcast is a Live the Dream Media production.